Hi, I'm Steve Ligori. And I'm Akiva Beebe. Together, we'll be talking to leading innovation experts from across the world who are going to share how they've been keeping themselves busy during this time of disruption. That is, reinventing themselves, their teams, and their businesses at breakneck speed so that they can be ready for the new normal. So our guest today, Keith Burry, uh, very excited to have him. Keith leads the Moody's Analytics Accelerator, which is within the larger Moody's Corporation based here in the U.S., but clearly a very global firm. The accelerator for Moody's Analytics identifies new business opportunities and rapidly prototypes these ideas using lean startup techniques. And they are really skilled to get these things out into the marketplace quickly in a uh, in a most amazing way that I'll ask Keith to describe a little bit. The accelerator works closely with customers to achieve a great product market fit and get these products into the market. Uh, he and his team partner with startups uh, that are using all kinds of new things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, the latest in data, data analytics, et cetera, all to build transformational new products. Uh, Keith himself has a great global background, uh, originally from the U.K., but he started his career in San Francisco running some software engineering teams. He's then moved to Paris. He was then in Hong Kong where he ran a business unit, and then he's back in New York to help set up the Moody's Analytics Accelerator. So, Keith, welcome, and thank you very much for, uh, for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Steve. Tell us what it was like when, you know, the, the, the world changed kind of like the second week in March, and all of a sudden everybody said, oh, my gosh, you know, we've got to – empty the offices, everybody's got to work from home. What, what was that crisis like for you and your team? And can you give us a little bit about how, how the heck did you basically get on your feet so quickly, not just as an accelerator, but at least from the conversations we had, Moody's, Moody's overall. Talk, talk to us about what that was like and um, uh, what you think you can share with the listeners. Sure. Um, and it seems like a long time ago now, even though it was only the, uh, the middle of March, early March. Um, yeah, it, yeah, I guess it, it, it happened very suddenly. I mean, we, uh, you know, Moody's, I mean, I literally went to work on, on Monday that week, uh, a Tuesday as normal, and there was starting to be a lot of talk in the press and a lot of uh, talk about what was, you know, happening in New York, and New York's obviously the epicenter, and we work in a very large office building in New York. So the start, there was starting to be some talk about, things happening. And I actually, my team has been, the accelerated team, we've kind of been somewhat at the forefront of letting people work remotely and experimenting with people working from home. And a lot of what we do is partner with different startups. So a lot of our work doesn't really need to be in the office anyway. So I pretty much said to my team on the, on the uh, Monday or the Tuesday, look, you know, feel free to work from home as much as you want. We don't know what's happening. Uh, so, you know, if you don't feel great about being in the office, then, you know, feel free. And I think we got to uh, Tuesday night and I looked at my calendar and basically everything had become a Zoom meeting uh, at that point. Uh, the rest of the company was was still fairly much uh, planning on, on being in the office. So I work from home on the Wednesday and by the Wednesday night, we pretty much told people that uh, by Friday, we wanted everybody out of all our offices around the world. And so we went in, in that one week from being pretty much an in-person company, a very kind of office centric to, uh, I can think currently 
if I open up my Zoom, there's 11,611 people in my company contacts list. Um, wow, wow, wow. In, within, within Zoom? Within Zoom, yeah. So we, we, we were lucky. So one of the things the Accelerator has been doing, we, we've really got two, two goals. As you said, Steve, at the start, a big part, I, I think of our primary goal as building new products. But we do have a, a kind of a secondary goal, co kind of goal of helping the organization innovate. And one of the areas we've been focused on is we've worked with different startups and, 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 and more nimble and agile uh, organizations is, is picking up tools they use. And so within the accelerator, we uh, adopted Slack very early a couple of years ago. Uh, that's been really helpful in this crisis. That's now rolled out across the whole of, of Moody's and uh, Zoom. We, we interestingly, at one point in the last uh, couple of years, spent six months working in a co-working space uh, with some other startups as an experiment. And we discovered that some of our more traditional uh, web conferencing tools didn't work. But every time we talked to a startup on Zoom, it worked fantastically, even though we only had a Wi-Fi connection. And so we prototyped Zoom and then we were in a very lucky place that about November, December time last year, Moody's rolled it out to the whole company. And, and Zoom has been a, a very uh, huge help in this uh, whole remote remote kind of working setup. Talk a little bit about senior senior management. How, how digitally savvy were they pretending to be digital or could they get digital? Because I can certainly tell you from, from other folks who we've talked to in you know, this corporate entrepreneur community that we're a part of, that uh, there was a lot of angst with executives getting used to doing things, you know, on Zoom and digital and remotely. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think it, it was, I don't know, I think Satya Nadella from Microsoft, the Microsoft CEO, said in his earnings call that they that Microsoft had seen like two, what they considered two years of digital transformation in two weeks. And I, I think that really echoes uh, what we saw in the company. So we went to you know, an awful lot of kind of communication and meetings. Um, you know, we have a, a weekly uh, call that updates everybody on, you know, what's going on with coronavirus and our different offices in the different regions we're operating in with, with uh, Ray McDaniel, our, our CEO. And I think the first week or so of that, it was still a telephone dial-in where everyone, you know, calls on their phone and, and, and dials into the, to the phone line with the operator who, who moderates it. And we switched that within a week to, to Zoom as well. And we now see Ray uh, from, his, uh, from his study at home and uh, his cat walking past the, uh, the call every week. And, and I think that, you know, that it has really helped uh, move the whole of that executive team uh, to use these new tools. And, and it's really helped, um, the, the whole organization embrace a lot of this stuff uh, more quickly than, than they, they maybe would have done. So we're doing various Ask Me Anythings where executives are on video calls and, and sharing what's going on. Uh, there's just a, a lot of uh, a kind of really rapid adoption of all these technologies. As is building on, on what you said, which I thought was fascinating in terms of that digital transformation within two weeks, I mean, that requires massive pivoting you know a skill that obviously in a lot of big corporates that you see is very hard and and just kind of curious to hear from you you know 
that kind of ability to do that? Like, what does that look like from a, a leadership point of view? When you look at your organization, it sounds like you'd been doing a lot of preparation, but I guess one of the things you said is how you really help innovate the organization. Yep. So like, what does that look like in terms of, you know, if, if we go into your organization, you know, there's leadership skills that are, that are needed to pivot so fast. Um, I think a lot of it was, like you say, a lot of it was in place. Um, and it's really, I think in some respects, it gave people the shove that they needed to kind of change from the historic way of working to the new way of working, right? I think it was, uh, you know, I think senior people tend to be very busy. Uh, you know, learning a new skill is is takes time, right? It takes time to, you know, figure out how how does this Zoom thing work? How are you going to, you know, what's it like if your video is on all the time? But I think as a, as a leadership team, they really uh, grasped how important it was that people could could see them and how important it was that you know everybody could engage and so uh so i think it, i think it just took a little bit of time at, at the start i mean there's definitely you know training available for for different groups of people but i think it, it's more almost the, the the kind of shove in the back that you've got to you've got to do it that that kind of tip the balance uh it's it's kind of interesting i think it's just fascinating from a change perspective it shows how quickly you can change when you need to change, if that makes sense. I love the fact that as you've just expanded on that, your organization is not just your team, not just helping with new products, but also new you know, skills, helping to innovate the organization as, as you just found out with the digital, digital skills. Um, I, I know you have a fascinating story, if, if you don't mind sharing it uh, with us about where you pivoted in terms of new products and something you got out. Could you, could you talk a little bit about about the product that you've you've introduced? That I know where hospitals are the target, and um, how the heck how did how did it come about? How the heck did you get it done remotely? Yeah, so um, I mean, I think the interesting thing about about Moody's is our we're a, we're a data and an analytics company, and we're very focused. Our, our mission statements helping our customers make better decisions, right? So, how do we use data and analytics to help people make better decisions? And obviously. There's just such a lot of change happening right now. Uh, making kind of good decisions based on data is, is something everybody's everybody's striving for. Um, and we actually recently acquired, back in February, a company called RDC, uh, Risk Data Corp, uh, who are very focused on the concept of, of KYC. So in the financial services industry, KYC is know your customer, and there, the RDC data set is really about tracking uh, people who have criminal records, court cases, uh, crimes, bankruptcies, and, and they maintain a, a pretty significant database of that stuff. Uh, we also have another entity called Bureau Van Dyke, uh, who have the, one of the world's biggest databases of uh, company data with more than 300 million uh, private, mainly, pro well, private and public, but the majority of private companies from, from around the world. And the idea that, that came up, and I think it came to our COO who was just talking to some friends he had who worked in, in the healthcare space, was that hospitals were really struggling with uh, sourcing PPE. And I think this, it seems to be a, a global challenge that, um, that 
you know, there's, there's a, sh- a shortage of PPE, you know, masks and, and gowns and, and, and that sort of thing. And there's been a number of stories in the press about a large number of kind of brokers and kind of shell companies setting up, claiming they can offer this protective equipment and can they or can they not? And, and, and really the challenge is who do, you, who do you trust? And the stories we've heard are that many of these, um, many of these suppliers want you know, wire transfers up front uh, to supply this, this equipment and nobody knows whether they're, they're kind of genuine or not. And in fact, the, the kind of fraud rates are running somewhere around 50% we've heard from a number of hospitals. So we thought what we could do was take our company databases and uh, this newly acquired uh, data that we had from this company called RDC and really provide a lightweight tool that would help a hospital identify whether the custom, whether the company coming to them with offers of PPE, first of all, did it exist for any period of time? You know, I think, and, and really in, in the business that we're in in Moody's, there's, we're not trying to make the decision for somebody, but we're trying to help them get to a better decision as quickly as they can, right? So rather than Google searching and looking on LinkedIn, querying our database of, of company information and seeing, you know, has this company been around for five years or 10 years? Does it have a, a federal kind of tax employer ID? Does it have uh, an address? Does it uh, pay accounts receivable on a regular basis? Uh, as we would talk to some of those hospitals, they said they often ran FDA checks. So we also uh, integrated in, we looked them up in the FDA database as well. And then we also take information from RDC and, um, and, and look up the company and the principles of the company. So if, the, if a CEO reaches out to the hospital, they can look up the individual's name and see, you know, is there any history of fraud or bankruptcy or or any any kind of red flags. And we, we basically took all of the APIs and did a really a two-week sprint. It was a great uh, lean startup approach, a very small team of about six or seven people. Uh, literally started off with an online whiteboarding tool where we sketched out what we were trying to do uh, and assembled these APIs. It was very much hosted on the cloud. We put in in various security uh, pieces. And then within, within about three or four days, we actually were starting to show it to some of the hospitals and get some feedback. That's, that's for example, where the, the FDA information came from. That we, it would be wow. if you could check Crazy. the FDA information. Uh, and then we launched that and uh, we have about 10 hospital uh, systems. You know, it's usually the procurement group who's a central group for a number of, of hospitals. So we have 10 hospital groups using that today and we continue talking to a number of other uh, other uh, institutions and actually other in in other countries so we've had some outreach through our our global nature from from other countries so there's some potential work right now to make this uh, an, an international product and we actually do think it's kind of interesting because it's not 100% specific to hospitals so we think there's a potential long-term product here around supply chain and we do think that with everything that's going on, supply chain has become one of the areas that people are uh, concerned about. You know, who, who are their suppliers? Mm-hmm. Where are those suppliers located? What, what uh, supply chain risks have they got? 
So great, great little uh, pivot and uh, experiment. Yeah, and did you did you stop other projects to get people onto this? Did you do it all internally? Did you work with startups? How? What? What? Were, just give us a little bit of a feel for the the ecosystem on how the heck you you're making it sound like it was matter of fact, but I think didn't you go from like concept to launch in two weeks on this thing? You, yeah, it literally was concept to launch, and, uh, and uh, yes, uh, we 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 pulled people from around our organization, so we didn't work with any external startups on this, but. Uh, this company, RDC, we literally acquired in February. So for me, I mean, you know, I spent time with their head of product and their, their CEO as part of this, and it was the first time we'd met. So, you know, it was a very fresh acquisition. Uh, we were leveraging their APIs. We were leveraging some of the developers that we had in the accelerator who were uh, uh, good at putting things together very rapidly. Uh, we pulled in our marketing person, uh, Somebody made a, a video, a tr- both a training video and a launch video. Uh, so it really was a kind of very cross-team uh, effort. But the classic two-pizza team that we often talk about in the, in the, uh, in the lean startup kind of world. Um, da- you know, daily scrum calls, uh, just checking in where, what, what needed to happen next, um, Definitely couldn't have done it, you know, pre-cloud. It was it have all of this sits out on on our cloud, and again, that was a move we've been making for a number of years in the in the company. Uh, but really, just pulling together all these different APIs, and uh, uh, you know, we had one of our team acting as a product manager, starting to reach out to the hospitals and do interviews and and gather feedback. And uh, yeah, it was it was good. It's fascinating because a lot of the listeners are. Kind of trying, also trying to work out the how-to. So, like, what are those actual skills that you're seeing that this COVID environment has kind of brought to the fore? Like, the key differentiators that you really need now more than ever before. Like, what are those? What do those skills look like? What are you seeing? What's what? What do you really need to kind of win in this market? Agility is obviously really important right now. The first thing we did this literally this idea bubbled up on a Friday afternoon evening. Uh, I think just before Easter weekend. Uh, I, literally, I think the first thing we did was create a Slack channel, right? And just a way of people collaborating and communicating on, on what it was we were doing. Uh, we use a tool called Miro, which is an online whiteboarding tool. And uh, that's really, to be honest, been fascinating is how, even though everyone was remote, how powerful you can do whiteboarding, right? With a Zoom call and a shared whiteboard where everyone can kind of sketch out their ideas that that was very powerful. Um, and that kind of combination of the Slack channel, the whiteboard, and then a lot of our kind of more traditional source code management tools where developers are kind of opening up kind of user stories and, and taking that what was on the whiteboard and turning it into, into chunks of work, uh, was powerful. I mean, you can, I mean, days, you know, years ago at the start of my career, I, you know, I've been in kind of financial services and technology for 20 plus years. You know, you, you used to have to order the servers and it would take, you know, weeks for the servers to arrive and be racked and turned on before you'd start the project. I mean, you know, we had a, we had a skeleton of a website in, in, in two days. And, you know, really that's all thanks to the cloud and modern, modern tools and, and techniques 
Uh, and then you can start to show people and you can start to, you know, leveraging APIs, right? So these APIs that we had from, you know, the, F, the uh, FDA has, you know, through the OpenGov uh, initiative, uh, there's a, all that government data is available online as a, an API and uh, the RDC organization had an API. And you've, you've got to kind of figure out how to stitch these bits together, but it can come together incredibly quickly right now but a lot of collaboration a lot of kind of collaboration through slack uh, kind of daily zoom meetings to kind of keep everybody tight and in sync were, were really helpful uh but a lot of you know and it's very open i think what, one of the things about one of the things about slack is it, it's a very open collaboration so you know if we needed to pulse another resource into the group they could kind of read through the the history and the channel of exactly what had been discussed and uh, what we were doing and why and you know everyone was trying to trying to capture things in, through that through that channel. How did you balance the tension between collaborating and getting overwhelmed with information? We tend to have on any of our on any of our uh, product projects, we'll we'll have a you know a product manager who's really the person who's out there trying to talk to the customer and they'll include, we like to include developers and, and the people build, you know, the, the people literally building code in as many of those calls as possible. But really the person who's synthesizing what should we do next from a product feature perspective is that product manager. So we quickly ended up with a, someone in that product role taking the lead on prioritization as it were. And then it's just, good collaboration with the technology people of, you know, sometimes they've got to do some technical infrastructure work, but what's the next feature and how, where are we trying to get to? And it's, I think it's, it's interesting. A lot of it, a lot of us work together already. So I think that helps. I think that's, and I think that's one of the interesting questions as we move forward, if we stay in this more remote work environment, onboarding of new people and how do you get them up to speed? And that's something we're all talking a lot about right now. You're, you're north of a 100-year-old organization. Correct. Um, in the ratings business, which I would, I would, I would say is a, you know, just a, a business observer, maybe not known as being the most innovative of industries, you and, your, you and your, your peers, but it's pretty radical to me hearing what you're talking about and the speed of change going on. Is this change going to stick with Moody's? Do you think as we come out of this, the new normal is going to be – rapidly changing and evolving products using technology and skills. And, you know, and then we'll come back and talk about the kind of, the kind of people, but is this, um, do you see this as being the new normal where you're going to need to, you know, literally rapidly transform yourself maybe in the, in the period of a couple of, couple of weeks versus several years or what used to be decades. I mean, I think it, I think it has been for, I, I would argue for the last 10 plus years. So Moody's analytics, which is the, uh, really in Moody's, there's two, two businesses, the ratings agency, which has a lot of regulatory, uh, kind of infrastructure around it. You know, the rating, the ratings business is, uh, is, uh, is a good business, but has, has a lot of regulation around it. And so, uh, back in 2008, we launched Moody's analytics really as the, as the non ratings business, but really as a data and analytics and a software provider. And I think we've we've been on a journey that's 
been pretty innovative ever since then. You're bringing in extra new data sets, uh, providing new software products and new new analytics. Uh, I think it's speeding up, and I, I mean, I think uh, I think uh, we see that across all all the companies and all, all you know that we interact with in the CEC. No matter who you are, the the pace of innovation is accelerating, uh, and I think we're you know we're as subject to that as anybody. And really, with all our products being being uh, very much distributed over the internet and data and and uh, analytics and software. Um, that that's just keeping going faster. I mean, I definitely have colleagues who still remember uh, walking around with huge briefcases that included the, uh, the, the ratings manual, right. Which is almost like an encyclopedia like thing that you would buy and, and put on your shelf in, in the bank to look at the ratings on these companies. And then they transformed to CD to internet. And now, you know, and now kind of mobile and, and everything else. But, but that, that transformation is just, just speeding up. Maybe not everyone's going back to offices. Um, where the heck does that go? And how do you operate an organization like that? And Akiva, I'm sure you've got questions and, and insights you'd like to share in that area. Yeah, I think this is the, one of the big, uh, huge questions coming out of this is, is really what does the office environment look like? And, uh, you know, about 18 months ago, Moody's actually, from some work we did in the Accelerate, bought, Accelerator bought a commercial real estate data and analytics business because we do think commercial real estate is a really <laughs> important asset class. So we've actually been publishing research on that very topic. Uh, and there's obviously announcements every day. I think just yesterday, uh, I think JP Morgan said they didn't expect occupancy over about 50% in any of their offices anytime soon. And uh, Citibank said something similar. And we've had Twitter and Square both say they could be work from home forever. So I think generally things have worked very well for a lot of companies. I think for all the reasons we've, we've talked about, just the, the tools that we have now and the bandwidth and the computing capabilities everybody has. And, and I think certainly for us in the, we tend to be in the major financial centers, places like New York and uh, London. Those are definitely both hotspots for coronavirus, but also places where you've got to take a lot of public transport to get to. And, you know, our space in New York City is on the 52nd floor and you would normally jump in an elevator with 20 other people and you'd be pretty tightly packed to, for that two minute ride. So there's an awful lot of open questions right now about how will that work? And if you want to maintain social distancing, you could probably only get about four people in that elevator. So how long will it take to get to the 52nd floor, not to mention jump on the subway and how they're going to manage the subway. So I think uh, we are definitely thinking it's going to be, be different. And uh, I think it's going to take t- a reasonable amount of time for a lot of those questions to be resolved. And at the same time, it's working really well. I mean, I think uh, we've proven we can be productive. And I think uh, it's very interesting. I'd, I'd be talking to a lot of our team, my, my own team, the Accelerator team. And an awful lot of people are enjoying it. I think it depends a little bit on your personal circumstances. Uh, I do have a number of employees with small children, uh, and I think kind of there seems to be certain ages that, you know, 
once they get above a certain age, it, it, becomes, it works quite nicely. My kids are uh, 19 and 16, and I've got a 10-year-old, and generally they can get on with the school that they've got. But the people with two- and three-year-olds, it's a little bit more challenging. But, uh, but generally, uh, people are enjoying not having the commute and not having to deal with the, the kind of traffic and and all of that stress and, and actually having a bit more flexibility. So we've been talking a lot about, you know, how do you transition into this remote working and, and what, what does it enable? Um, there's a company called, and I, I've mentioned, I talked to my team a lot about this. There's a company called GitLab who are a software company who, whose claim to fame is before all of this, they were, completely remote. They were hundred percent remote and they really open sourced and, and put out all of their, how they work as a remote company. And, and it's quite fascinating reading about their recommendations about how you communicate and how you make the most out of, out of uh, working remotely. And, and they actually talk about the different phases of being remote. Uh, the initial phase being really w- where we are now, where you, you're trying to, recreate a lot of the uh, rituals that you used to have in the office, but just do it remotely via Zoom. And they, they talk about it being a journey to actually you get a lot of flexibility out of being remote when you start to evolve your processes to be remote centric. Uh, and so I think we're somewhere on that journey right now where, you know, uh, where it's optimizing for your, how do you mix kind of work and at home? And, you know, if you've got, you need to help children with school at the moment, kind of finding what that kind of pattern is and what those kind of rituals are, I guess, is we're somewhere on that journey. Really. The, the one question on your whole virtual teaming, um, I mean, how are you guys handling hiring and onboarding and recruiting? I mean, what, is, what, what does that look like? So we've been fairly cautious. So we actually slowed down our, our hiring. Uh, we're only kind of hiring for pretty key roles right now. So we've kind of taken our foot off the gas a little bit um, in that respect. We did have, I did have somebody that we'd already recruited. And I've got a few of these where we'd already made offers to people over the last year. You know, for example, we have a somebody who interned with us last year and we made a job offer to before she went back to her final year at university. So she joins in a couple of weeks and apparently, you know, the experience has been very good. Uh, you, we've been shipping, uh, you know, a box of equipment to people's houses with a headset and a laptop and, uh, uh, and all that sort of thing and uh, instructions to log on and then running initial onboarding over, uh, over Zoom. And then really thinking a lot about, We've done a lot. We've probably kind of overdone it, at least initially, kind of team meetings and company town halls and team town halls and uh, team social events. I mean, we've, we, we're doing a mix of uh, probably every week or every other week we have some sort of social events and we've tried literally being on Zoom and playing games. We've had happy hours. Uh, we did have the famous, I don't know whether you've heard about this, there's a, there's a goat farm in California who will bring a, bring a goat to your meeting. That was, uh, that was pretty fun. 
uh, a little experience and had people bring bring their children and pets along to some of these meetings. So uh, in some ways, it's interesting. It, it, it's different, right? You get to know people at a very different level. You've seen, I think every a number of us have been observing, we've seen more of each other's children and pets and uh, in, the, in these few weeks than you ever normally would do in a normal circumstance. So it, it, it's different. But yeah, we're very much trying to create these opportunities for more social interactions. And I mean, for me, I've been doing a lot of, one of the things I noticed is, you know, I'll talk to my kind of management group, but less to individuals on the team. So trying to schedule a few more just group chat sessions, the people I would have bumped into at the coffee machine and had a chat about what they're doing, trying to reconstruct some of that in a, in a more virtual world is an interesting, uh, interesting challenge. Keith, if I could build on that, but take it in a slightly different direction, how's this going to impact customer relations? I mean, doing business with customer when you, how are you going to, how are you going to sell things if, you know, you, you know, there's obviously you can do a demo online with, with Zoom or maybe Miro or something like that, that you, you've mentioned, but this all now has to go through like how, how the heck do you even introduce yourself to a new, you know, to a prospect, yeah. helping them to get a client? How, have you got, have, you know, have you gotten into that or, you know, what are your thoughts on how the new normal might play out with the uh, commercial aspects? I think, yeah, I think that's one of the, one of the, great unknowns and it's kind of a fascinating experiment uh but we don't quite know i mean we've definitely seen uh a little bit of an elongation in uh in a kind of pipeline overall right so the time deals are taken to close has has, has got you know a little bit longer uh but the reality is a lot of deals that were due to close were already fairly advanced um i mean like any significant sales organization we we track uh sales activity and we've gone from tracking in-person meetings to zoom meetings and actually our productivity the number of meetings has gone up because you can obviously meet with more people in a day if you're not running from office to office or having to travel so in that respect it, it's gone up uh whether a whether a zoom meeting completely equivalent to an in-person meeting is one of the things I think we're yet to see. And our portfolio is quite diverse. So uh, we have data and analytics products. And so, for example, uh, the stuff we're doing in commercial real estate, and we actually have a, a, a pretty well-known group who focus on macroeconomic forecasting. And so their products and data has been selling very well, as has the commercial real estate data and analytics, because people need that stuff in a crisis and it's it's fairly low touch right you're buying access to a product that gives you data we have some other more complicated products that are kind of software products that somebody would implement in their financial institution to change their origination process their loan origination process right and a, a lot of obviously that sort of stuff has slowed down a bit so we're gathering a lot of data right now still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, in some respects, customers are more open to meeting with you because they have a bit more time. We've actually seen the webinars we've been running. We've been running a lot of webinars as a company. 
We've seen attendance and registration for webinars and education kind of increasing. So we often, you know, try and combine some product angle with some education. And uh, we've actually seen that sort of thing increase. Uh, but obviously, there's quite a lot of stress. We sell a lot of our customers of banks and financial institutions, and there's quite a lot of stress on those uh, institutions right now. So so it's kind of mixed, I, I would say. It's uh, been surprising how much we can get done. It's going to be interesting to see if the kind of conversion rates stay consistent, and we're going to see that over the next six to 12 months, I would say. Awesome, awesome. Any, any, any closing thoughts you might be able to offer someone who's maybe not made the, the progress or had the ability and agility that you've had in your organization as they try and struggle with all these great, great unknowns? That's a, that's a great phrase. I'm going to keep that. There's a lot of, a lot of great unknowns. What, what advice could you give to, to someone who's, who's not been able to kind of normal, which, you know, I would say you guys have actually done a exemplary, uh, uh, set an exemplary case study for. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I think it's amazing how much of the world has managed to transition so quick, you know, especially in the sort of kind of financial services data analytics world we're in. Um, I think definitely, you know, the experiments work. I, I, I think all all along we've been huge believers in the best way of creating some change is to run a bit of a, you know, run an experiment and what's the worst that can happen. Right. So, you know, experiment with some of these, these new tools, experiment with different ways of working or approaching things. And in some respects, this is a perfect time to run some of those experiments. Uh, you know, people are, everything's kind of turned upside down anyway. So, so what have you got to lose in many respects of, of running an experiment and, and, and seeing if you can uh, improve some of those, those kind of ways of working in those, those historic processes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Let me, let me try a quick recap. I, I picked up uh, a number of things. I probably missed, missed something, but if I think about what your, uh, your your accelerator has been able to help accelerate even within within Moody's. I mean, you you helped with the whole digital transformation with with management. I know you you mentioned about the two years of digital transformation happening in in two weeks. Well, you know you did it. I mean, people may have stumbled stumbled, but you really really were able to pull that off. Uh, concurrently, you know, one of your you know your core accelerator uh, missions of course is develop new products and the fact that you didn't talk about being agile you were agile and you did pivot and you you know you rapidly got that new product out for for hospitals using uh personal protective equipment out in a you know record amount of time and you know it's free now but as you said it could open up all new uh all new avenues for business down the road love that uh, i also took away a, a term i'm going to kind of paraphrase you with you know new skills and new tools I mean, that's kind of the combination. People need new skills, but they, they apply those new skills with new tools. And you know, I'm just got a list here. You know, you mentioned everything from GitLab to Miro to Slack to Zoom, of course, yeah. that we're all using. But, you know, I would say to most people, clearly these new skills are totally transforming how we, how we work. And then your comment around what is it that works for them, meaning from the employees? Yeah. Do you have young kids? Are you an empty nester? Do you have a room you can – 
you know, park your work to keep that digital divide, if you would, between personal and, you know, and your, and your work. So you're not getting digital burnout. Cause we've definitely heard that term uh, from other people. I think that's another, another great thing to take. And then, uh, you know, kind of the, the great unknown, I think going forward in the new normal of what is, what are business models and business functions going to look like everything from visiting your customers to going to conferences to, can you recruit new employees on board and, and do the, do this all remotely. Um, share the link uh, bit.ly forward slash disrupted today. And we'd love you to share this and we'd love your comments back on the, uh, on the podcast. So come join the movement. Find us at bit.ly forward slash disrupted today.